You're listening to Character Crusade number 23. Welcome to Character Crusade, Skyrim Roleplay Workshop. I'm Stu. And I'm Joe. And I'm Matt. <laughs> yeah, and, and Matt is joining us uh, remotely from somewhere across the country, Matt. Is that correct? Yes. Secret location. Again. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it's really hard to know where you go when someone picks you up for rendition. I mean, what are you supposed to do? <laughs> you just nod and smile. Yes. Yeah, but they can't see you nod and smile because you have a bag over your head. Right? <laughs> I mean, it is rendition <laughs> after all. <laughs> right? Yes. And joining us in the studio tonight is our special guest, Ari. Welcome, Ari. Hi. <laughs> Um, hey, whoa, whoa, hang on for a minute. Yeah. That was way too much. You got to tone it back a little bit, Ari. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> that was a bit that was a bit over the top. So uh, <laughs> let's let's try that one more time uh, with a little less excitement. Be a little more somber, please. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to have fun here. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we're, we're just giving Ari crap. Yeah. Well, okay. So l- let's let's talk a little bit about Ari. Who who is Ari? <laughs> Joe? Ari, who is Ari? <laughs> Tell us about yourself. Ari is actually my daughter. We kind of been training Skyrim stories off and on. Okay, uh, as great. We go. And currently, what character type are you playing right now? Um. Is it a, is it your Khajiit? No, I'm playing a Red Guard. Oh, a Red Guard. Yeah. Okay. Now, who is is. The Red Guard, your deaf character? Yeah. Okay. Really? Which is, yeah, kind of a fun little twist. So That is interesting. So what do you do 
Now you've you've told me a little bit about what you do with the how you, how how do you pull this off? What do you do for making a deaf character? I just mute the whole game. <laughs> just turn the game off, basically. Yep. Really? So, yeah. So <laughs> that is super interesting. What you'll do is you'll just put on some music in the background mm-hmm. and just play the game. Yeah. With no sound. With no sound. Yep. That's Which, cool. I thought it was really funny because, of course, you're going to have the text in front of you, right, mm-hmm. for when you do the dialogue and stuff. So you can kind of play that as eventually you're going to be able to communicate one uh-huh. way or another. But what I thought was really funny is her encounter out in the wilderness. So how how did that go? Well, I you know, I was just like traveling and whatever, and I like looked at look, – looked away from the screen – um, and all of a sudden I was like taking damage <laughs> and I couldn't figure out why. And I looked behind myself and there were a couple of wolves. Oh, just like, <laughs> how does a person even deal with that? I mean, yeah, you think about it. Skyrim is like a really dangerous place, kind of. uh, for, for a person who can hear. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I, wolves, let's be fair. The wolves are not there to cuddle. No, they and, really aren't. And are were they? these regular wolves? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay, I th- I thought you had run into some ice wolves at one point, but maybe not. But you got surrounded by them, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you, you you can't hear. If, if you've got the sound off, you can't hear yeah, right. the music or the, the prelude. Yeah, or, yeah, or the, right. There's no cue yeah, yeah, at all. So I thought hmm. that was uh, an interesting That is interesting. Technique. Would you notice like being nudged? I mean, would your would your character actually physically move while being attacked, or would you just see the signs of being attacked? Uh, no, my character would like move forward, <clears throat> like slightly. Right. Yeah. As, as the uh, wolf pushed you. Gosh, around. something something <laughs> seems amiss. Perhaps I'll turn around. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is a really interesting concept, and it reminds me of of something. Uh, there is a mod that I installed recently, and it was one of these that I I installed for a very specific purpose. It was a rather large mod that was a bundle of a whole bunch of different mods together. Um, if I can find the name of it here, I will. So, how, how <clears throat> what uh, what level do you have your Redgar up to at this point? Um. I don't remember. You don't remember? No. Okay. It's, it's not that high. It's like it's, maybe 15 or something. Oh, okay. So you just started. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ari, I have an cool. important question for you. Are you PC or on some sort of a console device? Uh, PC. All right. Are you playing with or without mods, Ari? I have mods. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Now that we've cleared that up. <laughs> Matt's, Matt's playing PC as well, but... Vanilla, so uh, he doesn't have anything, any mods installed quite yet. Because so. I'm afraid of mods. So, hang on, hence, I'm going to find this. Hence our our topic for the night to help Matt right. and ease his pain. A character that was deaf. What what uh, made that an important part of your character play? I have no idea. <laughs> How did you come up with the idea? It just some decided to try it. Yeah, yeah, okay. pretty much. Cool. How long do you think you've been playing with that character? Forget levels. I mean, is it 
hours, days, um, just started? A couple days. I'm no, not it's sure. Pretty it's, new then. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. I, know I you don't had, remember exactly. Well, you had been playing at Khajiit for quite a while, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. So, um, Joe, I think it's an interesting counterpoint to your character who couldn't read. That Al, yeah, actually, that's that's a good point. Although, um, I think this one is technically maybe a little bit. It, it's I wouldn't say I don't know if it's easier to do, but it's it. It's easier to work into your role play because you can physically turn off the sound. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with you know an illiterate character, that's adding you know that's more in you know, you're making it part of the game style, your your play style. You're right. really role playing that aspect where you're role playing this particular uh, this particular type of uh, um, what's the proper word I'm looking for impediment perhaps mm, yeah yeah that'll work um where was i going with that <laughs> <laughs> I, I lost my train of thought uh, the train times <laughs> left the building yeah i you know i was thinking about it because there's a mod that i'm using i can't remember what it is now i can't find it in my list because my list is too stinking long um but we'll put it in the show notes. Essentially what it does is it allows your character to start having uh, some kind of a sixth sense, if you will, or uh-huh. gives you some benefits associated with enhanced senses beyond, say, hearing and sight. Mm. And it might be a kind of a fun one for you to run because what it, what it actually does is it puts a message up in the corner of the screen that allows you to respond to different things. So it will tell you that um, the wind is changing direction and you can smell something on the wind, right? Like it's what it's doing is it's including um, a sense of smell and almost a a sixth sense like a telepathy. And uh, it allows you to look at those messages and get a heads up that enemies are near you before you see them or before you hear that combat music or whatever that cue is, right? And in your case, with the sound turned down, you'd see those messages and you'd start to get a sense for what direction they're coming from and 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 you could try to play that out. I mean, you know, if you're using strictly visual, um, you know, input. Well, yeah, to play it, the game, it, so. it would allow you to play up that, you know, you, the character's developing high, heightened senses in other areas. Yeah, yeah. I'll figure out what that is and I'll let you know. We'll We'll put it in the show notes. It's one of these, it's, it's a huge bundle of different things. And I got it specifically because it had uh, the weapons and armor I needed in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it has the, uh, the Dwarven Mechanical Equipment mod is embedded in this thing. Oh, But it's okay. got a bunch of other stuff. Oh, cool. And I needed it for one character. I didn't realize all the stuff that was in it until I started encountering crazy things. <laughs> I, I got attacked by this monster that scared the bejeebers out of me the other day. <laughs> like, I'd never seen it before. I'm like, what is that? What is that? And it, it <laughs> trashed me really bad. And it came out of nowhere. And I had no idea what mod it came from. I had to get on Google and... and do a search to figure out where the heck did this come from? Was that the like the the predator invisible thing? Yeah, it's it, in the game. It was called a green bane, oh, and yeah, it yeah. it looks like 
I mean, it, it, it looks like the size of a, of a large werewolf, but is kind of has more of the features of a dragon. Okay. And then it, it, uh, its skin is like, uh, kind of like a spriggan. Mm. And so it was, it was invisible, but I could see the, the bushes and stuff shimmering right as it came at me and then it trashed me and I had like 20 different poison disease things going on at once and it was like oh my god you know so and that was that was kind of out of the blue and I wasn't expecting it because I was actually in game just testing a mod I was testing a mod like oh yeah I'm running around the forest testing my mod looking at it from all angles and suddenly I got ambushed by this thing called a green bane and it scared the crap out of me so and then the last thing you saw up in your uh, extra sixth sense was you have contracted dysentery. Yes. Well, it's crazy. I, I went to look at what my active effects were because that's where you go typically when there's like a disease or a poison going on. Right. And, you know, normally you'll see something like, oh, you know, there's some kind of a stamina poison and it'll say how long it's in effect right, and, right. and all of this stuff. I got in there and it was like 15 lines of red. And I'm like, what is this? You know, and I could hear my heartbeat in my ears and like, and I was really close to dying and I hit the tilde key really quick and then typed in toggle God mode. (laughs) And, and unfortunately, you know, when you toggle God mode, you're like frozen in time. You don't take any more damage, but you don't heal either. You're just kind of frozen in time. So you know, my stamina was way down and I'm just crawling along oh, and my heart no. beats like boom, 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 boom as I'm getting ready to die. So I pounded a bunch of um, stamina and health potions and then, <laughs> ugh, yeah, it was, it was really right. ugly. Yeah. So I, this is great. Um, it, it's great to have uh, a new voice in the studio tonight because I think, you know, everybody approaches the game a different way and this is what we're all about, figuring out what people are doing differently and uh, what people's experiences are. And tonight, our topic is Modding 101, and we are going to cover some of the basic concepts around modding your Skyrim game. This is, um, I think, the most basic level. So we're going to be talking about the stuff that you want to do and the stuff that you want to understand before you start installing any mods. And Yay! Yes. <clears throat> and, and this is going to get um, Mr. Mr. Matt on the path to uh, loading his first mod. So this episode is going to be kind of the preamble, and uh, this this episode will help get you prepared, mod Matt, to load your first mod. And then uh, in the you next... You keep calling me mod, man. That's totally right. Oh, yeah. You're, you're going to be mod man sooner or later, right? <laughs> Matt yeah. the mod man. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> later on down the line... We're going to have a part two to this where we're going to invite a guest in and talk a little bit more in depth about modding. We'll, we'll get into more of the uh, the SKSE uh, script right. extensions and stuff like that. We'll talk a little bit more about some of the more sophisticated things we can do with modding. But right now, we're just going to kind of focus on the basics. Before we jump into that, however, Matthew, we have uh, some things to cover, right? We've got uh, a five-star review. Or two. We do have new five-star reviews, and uh, we say this every time, but huge thank you to everybody for listening on iTunes and providing us with some feedback. We know you're listening. We love that you're listening. We love your feedback. It's so encouraging to us. Um, and so I'm going to read a couple of them here. Argonian Knight gave us a five-star review and gave us an incredibly lengthy discussion on the topic of Skyrim, if I may. Okay. Uh, and more importantly about 
brace yourselves. This is going to take a long time to read. Okay, please, please, please do, Matt. Been listening to this all day, and I love it. <laughs> the end. No, an exclamation point at the end. Love it. <laughs> okay. Love it. Excellent. I like. I like it. Okay. Right, so you know, don't mince nice words. Thing. That's terrific. I love that stuff. Oh, that's great. So, twenty nine reviews, all five stars. That's awesome. That's I epic. like it. Thanks, epic. everybody. We really appreciate it. That that helps us a lot, and it it also I, I think, that, but more importantly, um, it lets us know that we're you know doing something right. We're, we're doing something <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So, really appreciate and, all the comments. Do I think? Yeah, and I think to go along with that, iTunes isn't the only place where we get feedback. I mean, uh, Patreon, we hear from folks in a different way, right? Yes, we do, and uh, we have a couple of um, Patreon supporters we want to thank. Uh, this week. So, um, as you know from the last podcast, we, we had our Five Fables launch party. And along with the Five Fables launch came a new Patreon campaign to support Five Fables. And it was kind of interesting. Uh, we, we got a couple new donations on Patreon. On the Five Fables, um, on the Five Fables Patreon campaign, Rob cool. is contributing there. He gave us a nice donation, recurring recurring donation that'll help us out. And then also um, our good friend Ernest, uh, he actually increased his donation. So nice. he Ernest is still supporting us on the Character Crusade campaign, but he increased his support. Well, and thank he, you very much. Yep, he said he that he, he increased it because of the extra content we're creating and, and all that stuff. So cool. Yes, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's great. So thank you all very very much. Um, I think we are going to go into a little bit uh, of an announcement segment, eh? we got some things going on, especially having to do with our own mods. This is something that oh, yeah. uh, we've been talking about here at uh, Character Crusade for a long time, is actually putting mods out on Nexus. And we toyed around with it in the past, um, kind of putting out some micro mods, yep. kind of on our own, but it was really time for us to hit the Nexus in a significant way. So that is what we did over the last two weeks. If you've been following the webpage at all, you'll notice that we put up some posts there regarding the um, mods that we've put out on Nexus over the last couple of weeks. And we've got a new one we're going to be launching this week, right, Joe? Yeah, yeah. How many How many do we have out there at Currently, how many have you, uh, have you have we launched? Currently, we have four mods out there. Nice. So, uh, the first mod is a retexture of the imperial, the heroic imperial armor from Hoth Troopers immersive, immersive armors, armors okay. mod. So, yeah, in order in order to use that one, you need to have Hoth Troopers immersive armor mod. Right, and that's just because of how that armor set was put together. Yes. So that that is a, a mod that I created for myself for my own game and we'll actually see that one in use in the Five Fables story eventually. Cool. Um, but it it relies on immersive armors. So if you have immersive armors, you can download this and what it does is it creates a nice kind of a, a black colored heroic imperial armor version with a full helm and a black black comb on the helm and stuff. Which is kind of cool. Kind of reminiscent of uh, uh, like a Roman style. 
Yeah, it's yeah, it's the the uh, I I believe that the imperial heroic armor is it uses some of the vanilla stuff, right? right? But it's it's very similar to I I think. Oh, General Tullius's armor, I think. I think it's oh, based on yeah, General yeah. Tullius's armor. Yep. What I did is created kind of a black lacquered version of it and then um, kind of increased the saturation on those bits of the armor that were red right. to make them a bit more kind of regal looking, mm-hmm. if you will. But I was looking for something in that kind of imperial vein that had a little bit more menace to it. Right. So that was mod number one, which is primarily just a retexture. Cool. Fairly straightforward. Um, mod number two. And by the way, since yep. it was launched, it's 5,000 times, which is pretty fantastic. Downloaded 188 times already. Yeah, I know. It's kind of amazing. Nice. Especially considering the prerequisite because... Uh, that's, a big mo- that's a big mod to, to yeah. say, go get this. Yeah, Immersive Armors is, is pretty fat. Yeah, I, I personally got. recommend it just because it's got a lot of great stuff, but mm-hmm. it's it's a big mod. It is, for sure. Yeah, and it, so, yeah, that wasn't one that I chose to make as a standalone for various reasons, but uh, the retexture is, you know, if you have immersive armors, this retexture, you'll go grab it. You'll benefit by default. The other is a, a retexture of all of the uh, imperial plate armor. Okay. So when we look at, and, and this is a subtle retexture. Um, I was always bothered a little bit by the Imperial armor because it looks chalky. It's got this really kind of weird chalky look to it. It doesn't have it when you look at it in the sunlight, it looks weird like mm. to me. It it doesn't look um it doesn't look tarnished or anything. It doesn't have any patina to it, if okay. you will. And and that bothered me a little bit. So I did a I did a retexture that that adds a little bit of of color, a little bit of patina into all of the Imperial steel plate. So this oh, isn't going okay. to affect the light armors, Just the heavy? but the Imperial heavy armors. Okay. Yep. And so that includes um, male and female armors. It includes the regular helm, the officer's helm, and then also the full closed face helm. Oh, cool. So, yep. Nice. And, and that is strictly a vanilla retexture. So if you're playing vanilla, you can load that one up and it works great. Nothing required to do that one. Uh, the next one was... Smugglers, the smugglers' barrels. This is this one was a bit more sophisticated, at least for me. Includes some scripting and stuff. This is a mod that will allow you to create containers at a crafting station at the forge. Um, to create these containers, you need uh, firewood, corundum, and a petty soul gem that has to be full. And what it allows you to do is kind of create a barrel that is both a container and a movable static and buoyant all at the same time. So cool. you can fill it with stuff. You can drop it in the river and let it float down river and you can recover it downstream, pull it out of the river and pull your stuff out. So it's, it's a kind of a role playing device, if you will, to kind of play the character of a smuggler, right? Where right. you're going to, you're going to dump your contraband in the river and you're going to float it down river and, uh, you're going to retrieve it later. Right. Yep. Um, that one includes uh, custom mesh, this is the only way that I could make a uh, movable static buoyant. So it has a custom mesh and has a custom texture because all the barrels are kind of lacquered black. So they yeah, blend they're real in dark. at yep. night. And then that one uh, does not include a script that allows you to 
add those back to inventory or destroy them. If you want to get rid of them, you just use a console command, and I give instructions on how to do that. Okay. Um, yeah. Or you could use Jackson's if you have that. Yep. Yeah, you could use Jackson's. That would do it too. So. So yeah, but any, that, yeah, that was kind of fun. Any limit to the number you can make? No limit. Only limited by how many. Uh, how much material? How you much can material have. you have? Yeah. So, you know, okay. lo- load up on the corundum, load up on the firewood and, and the petty soul gems you find everywhere, right? So, uh, yeah, you can make those and chase them down river to your heart's content. I also have a couple of uh, recommendations for mods to go with it, um, one of which is uh, Skooming Skyrim. If you want to be, you know, you want to be a skooma dealer, um, that one kind of enhances the whole experience as well as... As well as, and I see, looking at Ari. Yeah, yeah, Ari, she's yeah. kind of eyeballing yeah. that one. I don't yeah, she, know. She's got some scum experience. <laughs> Keep an uh, eye on that one. Yeah, I know. And then Jackson's <laughs> Positioner. I recommend uh, Jackson's Positioner with this one. And then also Sewers of Skyrim. So oh, yeah. Sewers of Skyrim helps kind of enhance the role play so you can smuggle skooma in and out of the cities through oh, the sewer yeah, system. Yeah, yeah, good idea. Yep. So you guys have talked about Sewers of Skyrim in the past. Can you remind me a little bit more about that? And where do you see it everywhere with Sewers of Skyrim? Most everywhere. Uh, yeah, all the major cities for sure. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I, think, I think so. Mm-hmm. Actually, I don't know about Riften though. Uh, I don't think there's a sewer a system under Riften. Believe it or not, of all the places not to have one. But if there is, <laughs> I haven't found it. If Okay. I haven't found it. I've looked I and think, I haven't found it. I think you're probably right. Maybe maybe that's because the ratway's down there and all maybe that so. stuff. It, it could be too that I've got another mod that's interfering with it in some way. It's oh, possible because it be. I am running some um, other mods that add stuff. The only other there. place that probably does not that I have not encountered is mm-hmm. uh, Winterhold. Winterhold. Uh, I don't think there's any sewers oh, in Winterhold. No. Yeah. There's not much going on up no, there. No, it's kind of a so, frozen wasteland. Yeah. But all the... Uh, all, most all the primary cities yeah. have these sewers, and they're pretty extensive. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You can pop up from, you know, like Solitude, for example. You can pop mm-hmm. up from the Bard's College and move through the sewer system yeah. all the way to the Blue Palace or yep. uh, to the middle of the street, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I think uh, one uh, – well, a couple of things to mention about this mod in particular – Jackson's Positioner is one that I recommend just because if you want to use it extensively, you may want to use Jackson's Positioner to just reconfigure some of the landscape. And you're speaking of the the skooma barrels. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, so, they'll get hung up on some of the, yep. the geometry. They'll get hung up on stuff. But if you make some slight modifications to the riverbanks, you can actually get the barrels to kind of run pretty smoothly. The other thing is that the barrels will only travel as far – as you have your U-grids set. So when you hit that point where your game stops rendering the higher quality textures, Mm -hmm. the barrels stop there. And then as you walk up to the barrels, they continue moving downstream. So As those grids load. Right. Yeah, as those grids load, the barrels keep moving. So Mm -hmm. that that is one issue here. I mean, you have to follow the barrels downstream. It's not like you can just let them go and then show up somewhere and have them be waiting for you. That It doesn't really work like that. So... Actually, I actually kind of like that a little bit because it requires that you be involved in your smuggling. Well, that's kind of part of the fun, yeah, too, is you're watching the make sure the river, that, so. that no one's going to be intercepting them <laughs> yeah, either. Right. So, right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's kind of a limitation of, mm-hmm. of the game somewhat, too, isn't it? 
Well, yeah. I mean, you can you can change that setting, of course. Sure. So the higher power machine you have, the the you know, yeah, the, the more, more you, you can do. Yeah, right? and, so. and but it's I haven't seen any anybody recommend messing with the U grids too terrible much. No, no, I that will yeah. screw your game. Really I, I don't. Bad, fast. I generally don't mess with U grids much, and I don't mess with distance lods very much, and all that kind of stuff. Right. I I try to not do that. This is a mod that I created for myself because it was just so much fun. <laughs> I, I don't know why. It was just fun. Like, I just, this is something I did when I was a kid, man. You, Kick something in the river and watch it yeah, go. watch it go. Yep. So it factored into role-playing. The last mod that uh, went out over the last couple of weeks is a new and improved uh, Book of Circles, which is a a book from Elder Scrolls lore and I know that I'm pretty sure that this plays a role in Elder Scrolls Online. I don't know if this book has played a role in any of the past single-player games or not. But not really sure. all it is is a book of maxims and proverbs for swordsmen. Oh, and cool. it it's, um, was written in the first era, 780, by a guy named Frandar Hunding, who is a who was a master swordsman and a red guard who became kind of a recluse and the 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 classic wise man that lived on the top of the mountain, right? And he wrote this book called The Book of Circles, which has a number of um, sort of maxims for the master swordsman to live by and then also includes a lot of interesting topics on sword forging. Nice. So I created a new improved version of the Book of Circles. I had created one previously. This one features a lot of of really amazing uh, watercolor artwork in it. Um, yeah, that came out nice. Yeah, yeah. So I I think um, you know if you're interested in something like that, it, it's really just kind of a another one of those things that is kind of a, a role play enhancement, I guess for. For people who are playing the swordsman, I sort of think of it as the kind of book that the swordsman would have on their person and they might refer to daily or something like that as they go through whatever their practice yeah, rituals are. Take yeah. whatever kind of time of meditation and, and mm-hmm. focus on a maxim or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And take a look at it. Um, like I said, the artwork in it is is really pretty amazing. The artwork is um, done by... Um, a woman named Jung Shan. She's, uh, she's. I believe she's Chinese. I'm not exactly sure if she's Chinese or she's Japanese, but she's got a really um, wonderful website with a lot more of her work. You can buy prints, and these things are really, really Im- impressive, amazing pieces of art. So if you look um, on the Nexus and then also on her website, there's a link to her blog where you can get more information on her artwork if cool. you're interested in it. So. Nice. Yes. And then this week, we're releasing our fifth mod. And this is one that uh, Joe and I have been coordinating on together for actually kind of a long time. (laughs) This has been a work in progress for a long time, but we finally just got serious about it, I guess, huh? Yeah. Well, yeah, the concept, uh, we we thought of, boy, months, (laughs) months ago, as far as the concept goes. Uh Uh, And then... uh, yeah, just recently, yeah, we we just started started yeah. actually sitting down and <laughs> passing the ESP back and forth and yeah. and working on it. We're very excited about it, and and this is going to be 
the first revision of a mod that I yeah. think is going to see a lot of, of updates um, going forward. And uh, listeners, this mod is has been designed primarily with the Character Crusade and Couch Warrior TV community in mind because it, it's a mod that you can play with and have fun with, but we're also going to be using it as sort of a jumping off point for a lot of other projects that we want to create. So right. as we create books and new things, they'll be inserted into this mod. So uh, there'll be updates coming out frequently and so forth. Right. So yeah, we'll have different versions because we've got different ideas on mm-hmm. how we want to expand it. And mm-hmm. um, that'll, of course, require yes. an update to the SP. But then we're going to also try to insert our books and, and mm-hmm. different reading materials, which would not require. Correct. So, yeah. A uh, little, good, we, yeah, like yeah, Stuart said, we, we've got a lot of ideas and, and this mm-hmm. is kind of the bedrock or the base yeah. that we're going to build off of. Why don't you give the audience a rundown on what this mod is and then uh, they can look forward, when they can kind of look forward to maybe a release. All right. So, this mod is the... What, well, well, what's our our full title here? It's the House of Troubles. Yeah, so. it's the House of Troubles, and we kind of had the played this, a little fun with it. The, yeah, we had a little fun. We we think of it as um, uh, a a wilderness hostel for wayward adventurers, and yeah. we've we've got it located right on the edge of Cyrodiil. Yep, it's way down, just kind of just. The far southern end of the map is right along a main road that goes kind of from Falkreath and, and keeps heading on south to Cyrodiil, and it's it's kind of perched in the woods right on the border there. Yeah, and and by the way, we're we're not throwing a spoiler in because Stuart and I hate having to <laughs> hunt for things, so uh-huh. we are going to make the location available. We're not going to make you go hunt around Skyrim trying to find <laughs> no, it. No. <laughs> Yeah, once so. once you load it up, there's going to be a map marker, and you can just yeah. travel there and mess around. Yeah, so, so yeah, um, so yeah, it's an inn mm-hmm. uh, primarily, mm-hmm. and it's got three levels, like you know many of the inns do. Mm-hmm. This one is kind of interesting. Actually, it's got four. I guess. Yeah, it's got four. Yeah. We we added we, we added, added an extra level, level didn't yeah, we? We added an attic space. Yep. So it's it's loosely based on the. Um, layout from the Winking Skeever. Yep. Yeah, but the concept here is that rather than being strictly an inn, it's kind of a hostel type environment where people can come and, and kind of pay for a bed like a flop house or they can camp outside and avail themselves of the resources and save some money, right? So, right. you know, there's there's camping spaces available outside or you can go and stay in the bunkhouse. You don't get your own private room. You you're you're shacking up, basically claiming a bed in a in a room with a whole bunch of other adventurers who are all paying dirt cheap prices for a place to sleep. That's nope. that's nothing the idea. Terribly private about the House of Trouble. No, 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 no nothing no. at all. The House of the House of Troubles is uh, a kind of remote place run by quirky or quirky people, and I would say. Um, the patrons are are even more eccentric and quirky. So, right. <laughs> no coin, no service. That's right. That's right. No coin, no service. Falkreath is that way. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we're we're pretty excited about it. Um, 
it, it features some kind of fun little things, but uh, we have a lot of other ideas that are you know kind of in the works. But we felt like we just needed to get the first version out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, there's a lot we could probably continue to do with it. But if we mm-hmm. did that, then it would never yeah. get released. So yep. uh, we should be having this uh, really buttoned up and and fairly solid by this week and yep. uh, released. Yeah. For your enjoyment. Yeah, this this podcast, it should be, by the time you're listening to this podcast, it should be available now. Um, right. Yeah, and it doesn't require, I don't think there's any prerequisites. No, it's, well, yeah, no, no because uh, it's built, the base is being built on just the, the Skyrim and the, the update. And yeah. That's it. So uh, it's not dependent on DLCs or any other. Yeah. Uh, mod content or anything like that. Yeah. So there are some um a few new things in it, but those are all resources that are embedded in the mod, so you don't need to download anything extra. You don't need SKSE, you don't need DLC and nothing like that. Nope. Um just load it up and go and check it out and have some fun. Um and you know what? If if you've got uh some ideas you'd like to send too, feel free to do that, but uh do it only through our web form on the website. If you've got some ideas for, for things like that, uh, understand also that this isn't a mod that we're thinking about doing a whole bunch of heavy scripting in. So uh, let's not go down that no. road. <laughs> it's, no, no, it's enough work. It's enough work just to to fill it out. But what we really like about it is there's there's some interesting uh, quirky characters. Um, the innkeeper, um, his name is Griffy, and he he's functional innkeeper. You can buy food from them. You can get rumors from them. You can uh, buy a bed from them and all that kind of stuff. Yep, all standard innkeeper things. Yep. And then we have, uh, I think, some quirky uh, and kind of interesting um, patrons. Just hanging um, out. Yep. Just hanging out. Yep. Bard. Got a bard. Yep. Um, so, different things like that. So. Yeah. Other than that, I guess. Uh, is there anything up? on the, the Character Crusade website. I think there's some... Mm. Is there any teaser stuff up on there? I don't remember. It's been a little bit since I've flipped you know, the pages. Th- there is, but the teaser stuff is mostly embedded in our Twitter feed. Oh, okay. Um, we do have a, a picture up on the website right now that is a revision of um, the House of Troubles. Um, kind of an outside view, but it has changed significantly since that image. Um, at the time of this podcast publishing, though, uh, we'll make sure that we we add a whole bunch. And there's of new probably stuff. likely a couple of images uh, shared out on Facebook as well for the same yeah, reason. Exactly, oh, yeah. exactly. So you know, check it out, have fun. Uh, we're, we tried to do some fun and interesting things with it. We we've you know haven't done any custom voice work, but. The characters that are in there all have their own AI packages and kind of are interesting folks to just kind of observe. Um, we have a secret kind of attic space, which you don't normally get in a place like the Winking Skeever, which is, you know, kind of fleshed out and something that you can use as a base of operations if you want. We've got um, a secret escape tunnel that lets you get out of the House of Troubles if there's a raid or something like that. So just, you know, have fun with it. Yeah, poke around and uh, as Stuart said, send us send us your feedback and any suggestions. You can use the I have feedback on the submission form. Yes, that would and, be the appropriate category, I'd say. Um, 
we'll we'll take everything into consideration uh, within reason. <laughs> within reason. Within reason. Of course. Okay. Well, that's a good transition into our topic for tonight, which is mods. So, mods. Yeah. Let's talk mods. Um, so again, this is this is modding 101. So we're going to start with some really basic concepts, but this is the one that will kind of set the stage for those of you um, who haven't gotten into modding or maybe just have but want to get a fresh start and um, kind of start over maybe. Sure. Even. Um, so we're going to talk about some kind of high-level concepts here, things that are helpful to understand, I think, so that as you're getting into modding your game more, you'll kind of have a better time sort of comprehending what's going on under the hood as you install these things. Right. Um, and then I think you should be able to come away from this episode with some actionable kinds of things that you can do to prepare yourself for the next one. And that one will be a bit more in depth. That's, that's one where we'll talk about some additional tools and we'll talk about um, getting into some more uh, sophisticated and demanding mods um, by using things like SKSE to extend the capabilities right. of the scripting engine. Cool. So, so let's kind of start at the beginning. All right, Ari, lead us off. And go. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know anything about modding. Give us. <laughs> okay. Yay, I have a compatriot. <laughs> you do. <laughs> uh, just putting her in the spot since she hasn't spoken much lately. So. Yeah. So let, let's just start at the beginning. What the heck is a mod? What is it? <laughs> what is it, Stu? sort of modification? <laughs> that is a great guess. <laughs> and, 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 it's, and, it's, and it's not wrong. <laughs> Um, <laughs> what it is, is it's basically a plugin that you can install in the directory structure of your game that will alter your game in some way. Sometimes it's minor and sometimes it's really significant changes. Um, it just depends on, uh, the skill level of the modder and, um, frankly, the sophistication of the scripts they're using, Right. Right. So scripts. That sounds like it's going to slow my computer down. It will potentially. Possibly. <laughs> it's possible. It, it, it could. Um, uh, you know, th here's the thing, right? I mean, Skyrim. When you install it, vanilla Skyrim makes heavy use of scripts. It's how the game does what it does. So when you go and talk to an NPC and you receive a quest and it takes you across the map and you retrieve something and you come back again and you hand it off and you go up levels and all these things are happening. These are different scripts in game that are kicking off that are allowing these different things to happen. So your game is running scripts by default. Um, the more sophisticated mods kind of extend that capability. So we start getting into scenarios with SKSE, for example, which is a basically a platform that allows people who are able to write their own scripts to create scripts for use in the game that don't already exist there. And just to be, I don't know, thorough, SKSE mm -hmm. is Skyrim Script Extender. Correct. And to be, uh, for further clarification, we're not going to talk about that too much in this episode. No. But it's worth mentioning. <laughs> but it's coming because, up. Yeah, it's coming up. So... Essentially, what, what, what happens is you can go out to a website like Skyrim Nexus and 
You can browse a catalog there of, I don't know, thousands of mods. Thousands, if not tens right? of thousands. Yeah. You can, you know, find one that you like. You can download it. You can install it. And then when you open up your game, you'll be able to experience whatever that modification adds to the game. So um, some of these are more invasive than others, right? So yep. some of them add quests. We have mods that add um, things like new armor and equipment. Um, we have simpler mods that are just like we were talking about earlier, where are retextures re-texture, yeah. of existing things. Holy cow! Right, exactly. <laughs> There's almost forty-six thousand mods out there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you can you could spend days. And, out and there is that looking. just for Skyrim? Because there's also Oblivion mods. There's yes. Morrowind mods. Ju- I'm looking just <laughs> for Skyrim. Fallout. Fair. Fallout. I'm only looking at Skyrim. So yes, yes, it's a very mm-hmm. active community, and right. we are all thankful for that community. We are, we are very thankful. It's it's mods are what have extended the life of this game for me. So it's the reason why, you know. Well, frankly, it's it's given you the ability to create and tell the stories that you have. Right. Exactly. And will be furthering. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And uh, it's the reason why more than three years after this game is released that I'm still geeked out on it. Um, <laughs> right. But again, um, I think Bethesda, you know, they, they have this model that I think is just amazing where they release a game, an open world game, and then they release a tool. And they say to the community, use this tool, make new stuff, dump it out here. It's It's ingenious when you think of it because not only does it extend the life of their game, but based on the mods that are being created and how many people are downloading and using particular mods, they've got like a vast wealth of marketing information on what they should build into their next game. Well, and you know? I believe so, they have taken some of those mm-hmm. mods and, yes, they and have. wrapped them in. That's true. Um, I think the Hearthfire yeah, I th- I believe so, yeah. DLC was based on a concept the, the that was in build a Build your own house, I think. Yep, build your own home. Yeah. So I think... Uh, Essentially, that that's what a mod is, and if you're going to you know get started, I think the the important thing to remember here is that modding is is something that is awesome and will help um, continue to enhance your enjoyment of the game, but it is also something that requires a certain amount of commitment and maintenance to make sure that um, as you're adding all of these mods, that your game remains stable and fun to play. So correct, right, Joe? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and quickly coming up on a reboot. Um, yes, I, my game is not what I would call stable, but it's not unstable. <laughs> uh, meaning, I can put up with with the things that are happening. You know, the yeah, right crashes here and there, mm-hmm. or uh, just the mm-hmm. weird anomalies that occur. But Joe, it just sort of describes you, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess it does, but <laughs> hopefully I won't be rebooted anytime soon. No, no. You never know. Thing, you, know. you never know. Crash, sort of stable, sort of not stable. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So I, I think in order to to get a basis of, of, of understanding about how all this stuff works, it's helpful to understand a little bit at least about how the file structure works. In yeah, Skyrim, yeah, right? Yeah, that's pretty important. Um, 
because it is possible it is possible to install all of these mods manually. Yep. Why anyone would want to do that, I don't know. At this point, I yeah, agree, it doesn't but make any it, sense. it is possible. Right. But um later on uh in you know, later on in this podcast we're gonna be talking about a few tools that you can use to help manage um mods. Mm-hmm. Um but at a basic level, what, what those tools are doing is is helping to take care of some of the maintenance for you of installing and removing mods so that you're not constantly having to worry or keep track of which files came with which mods. Right. Because what's happening here is that when you install Skyrim on your system, it, it's creating a folder structure. And that folder structure is, you know, typically, you know, in inside steam or something like that right right um you know where you know you've got something like I, the 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 hive is is rather deep actually it kind of is yeah it could be you know depending on where you install it steam steam apps common skyrim data <laughs> and then inside of data you've got all this other stuff right right so I would say if you're interested in kind of following along with this conversation, maybe the first thing you should do is go out to the step wiki and just take a look at kind of the some of the information there on, you know, installing Skyrim and some of the initial setup stuff. Because when you install a mod, essentially you're installing whatever assets that mod is providing inside of the Skyrim data folder. And if you look inside the Skyrim data folder, typically, you know, you're going to see things in there like a meshes folder and like a textures folder mm. and, you know, different things like that. Um, so if, if for example, you're um, wanting to install a retexture, for example, like the, the armor I was talking about yes. earlier. Good example. Yep. Say we're running vanilla Skyrim and we've got all of this imperial plate armor and we want to retexture it. Um, that mod, essentially what you're going to be doing is installing texture files that overwrite the texture files that are in there by default. And by overwrite, I, I don't mean replace it blow them away. what's there. It doesn't blow them away. What it does is it loads after. So there's this concept of, of load order that, that we talk about. And at, basically what's happening here is Vanilla Skyrim, when the game loads, it goes through and it loads all the meshes that are included in the vanilla game, and then it loads all the textures that are included in the vanilla game, and then it looks to see, are there any mods running? Then it loads those textures, and whatever is the last texture set loaded is the texture set you will see in-game. Kind of a last in, first out. Yep. Kind of, yeah, that's kind of the concept, right? So... um, if you install a, a texture mod, essentially what you're doing is you're you're putting something in the load order that's going to load after the vanilla. So the game is 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 going to see that as the last texture loaded for this so item, that's and that's what you'll see in game, yep. right? And the same applies for um, any other mod, right? Yeah, really. So basically, I mean, what the mod is doing is it, it's overwriting, so to speak, mm-hmm. and telling the game what to use. Exactly. So. Yep. So when you when you see retextures, that's typically, if it's a retexture of a vanilla thing, that's what we're seeing. So we're loading uh, Skyrim vanilla stuff first and then mods after. And, yep. Yep. And the same applies for meshes. And a mesh is the 3D model that the texture is wrapped around. So, for example... If your character is wearing a helmet, 
that helmet basically consists of a couple of parts. One is the mesh, which is the 3D model, and the other is the texture file, which is usually a .dds file that takes a texture, which gives it this color and, and kind of um, its features, right? Mm-hmm. And it is wrapped around that mesh, and it's the two things together that create the helmet in-game. So in the same way that you can replace a vanilla texture, you can also replace a vanilla mesh. So if you want to do a replacement of the Imperial helmet model and say, I don't want that weird-looking Trojan-looking comb on the top, you could create a mesh that removes that Mm -hmm. and load it after the vanilla Skyrim mesh, and there you go. You've got a mesh replacer now, right? So... Mesh and texture replacers are probably probably the most probably the most basic mods and and probably the less threatening mods too in terms of <laughs> right, right in terms of uh, you know will they how will they impact your system yeah right because really they because sh- it they, they should because it might for example make that comb larger or change its color or something like that rather than replacing it with an animal <laughs> correct. <laughs> Correct. (laughs) I'm just thinking about complex meshes here, right? I mean, if you if you want to have a, yeah, okay, I understand. Thanks. Yep. And so, if you're loading, essentially, um, when you're when you're loading a replacer, what you're doing is mimicking the the folder structure that the game would normally look for inside vanilla. So, if the as the vanilla game is loading and it's looking for that imperial armor texture. It's going into data, Skyrim data, textures, armor, Imperial, and it's going down through this deep folder structure, and it's finding the ImperialCurus.dds file, right? Mm-hmm. So when you create a replacement mod, what we're doing is we're, we're recreating that folder structure, um, but, we're, but we're doing it um, kind of in in that data folder under a different name. So the first thing that right. that Skyrim does is it looks in its compressed version of all of these files, loads those, and then it says, okay, now I've got all that standard content loaded. Now I'm going to go look in the data folder for anything custom. Yep. And it sees exactly the same file path for that texture as it had loaded previously. And it basically says, okay, this is the one I need. I'm going to use this one because it's, it's the newest or the most valid one, the last one loaded. Right. So then we see the replacement. So, you know, I think when you consider how many objects and models there are in the game, I mean, that's a lot of, that's a lot of meshes. I mean, all of that clutter <laughs> that is a lot. and stuff. So, you know, if you wanted to do a complete retexture of wooden bowls in the game, you could do a, a retexture of wooden bowls. Yep. And so we see a lot of modders out there who um, are really great graphic artists who will do something like that. Sure. Where they say, I, I hate the way all the, all the wooden dishes look in game. Yep. And they will complete – they'll just do a complete like high-resolution retexture of all the wooden bowls and plates and stuff in the game. And they'll release it as a mod and they're – taking advantage of their skill what, that they're good at, which is graphic design, and they're sure. doing, you know, 2K, 4K I actually, textures. Yeah, I actually picked up a, a rock mm-hmm. texture that replaces all the rock with a darker. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's the higher higher res, darker rock. and mm-hmm. it just It's a subtle thing. Um, well, because it's a high res, it can get a little fat, but mm-hmm. um, 
it makes it makes a difference kind of because it's just so yeah. throughout the, the the game. Yep. And I, I think where the environment is concerned, a lot of these texture replacing mods are kind of ambient things, right? They kind of right. create an atmosphere. Yep. Um and the rocks one is is a is a great example of that. There are some that are designed to maybe look more realistic too, where oh, yeah. sure. the the idea is eh, you know, we th- we thought that uh you know, the low resolution texture for the riverbanks didn't look detailed enough. Right. So we've created a high resolution version, things like yeah. that. Yeah, and there's actually a lot of really, really good high res uh, yeah. textures out there for a lot of stuff. There are a ton of them. There and are a ton of them. If I had a little beefier machine, <laughs> I would <laughs> yeah, probably I have See, a lot more of the them. Issue, right? But uh-huh. um, I, I, I pick and choose. So. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, but those are just textures. Yes. So now, how does that impact an ESP if we want to get into that? Yes, we do. So the next step up is um, a mod that would include an ESP file. And usually what, what an ESP file is doing is this is where you would get mods that do things like add, add a new player home to the game environment. That would require an ESP file. Or a new player. Or a new player. Or an, N- yeah, NPC. an NPC. Um, or a quest. Things like that. Um, and mods like that don't necessarily have to come with any custom textures or meshes or anything like that. Sometimes it's just an ESP file. A lot of them actually, yeah, yep. a lot of them don't. Exactly. Exactly. So if if a modder wanted to do something like create their own quest, they could use the creation kit, go into the creation kit and and set up this quest um, in, the, in the Skyrim game world using all vanilla assets mm-hmm. And the output of that creation kit would be an ESP file, which is a plugin. So then when we, as we said before, when Skyrim is going through its process of installing all this stuff at load, it looks in the data folder and it sees something custom and it sees an ESP file and says, oh, this is some new game content. I'm going to load that. And it loads that new game content. Yep. Again, though, in the case of an ESP, load order is important. So if... You know, this mod includes an NPC who is a quest giver that appears in a particular place, right? What will happen is the game will load as normal, and then when the ESP loads and it loads all the assets for whatever that mod is, it'll drop that NPC in that location, and you're off to the races. So when we, quite often when, you know, you're looking at mods and you're browsing mods, There'll be a section in there talking about whether or not there are any conflicts between that mod and any other mods. Right. And typically when you see conflicts, they, they're because two modders have elected to use the same space to put something custom. Right. And they, they, there's a danger of those two mods conflicting because they overwrite each other's content or place an NPC for one mod in a location where another mod has dropped a player home. Right. Stuff like that. So, so, and on the least worst end of that kind of conflict is one of the mods is just going to disappear. You're not going to see it. On the other end of the spectrum is it's going to crash. Uh, they'll, they'll conflict so poorly that your, your whole system is just going to 
take a big nose dive. So that's why that can be that well can is is important to to take note of when you're looking at mods. Um, look at what the recommended load order is for the mod if if the author's has one, and then look to see if they didn't have any known conflicts. Uh, like any mod, because there's what I think Matt said, 46,000 of them just for Skyrim alone, plus chances are they're not going to know all all of the possible conflicts. Um, some of the, the more tenured mod authors are pretty, pretty clued in on what kind of things are going to crash or conflict with their their mod minor or major so they're they're pretty pretty good about putting that information on there but just to keep in mind if you are pulling out a mod that's altering something that you know that you have another mod in in that same location you need to need to be cognizant that there could be there could be an, an issue and your your system could go unstable yep most most mod authors um you know, they, they will do everything they can to try to determine whether or not there are any conflicts, mm-hmm. but quite often they rely on us, the people who use their mods, to let them know if there's a conflict, and then they can document that. So we've we've kind of covered a little bit on, I think, just important, the basic concept for what's happening here, right? So the basics are, you know, we've got a couple of different kinds of mods, um, things like texture replacers, mesh replacers. Then we've got mods that actually add um, other kinds of game content, which we would get in an ESP file. This is stuff that's generally created by Creation Kit, which is a tool produced by Bethesda to allow people like us to create our own mods. So that, that kind of covers the basics. When we're installing these mods, we're either replacing existing content or we're adding new content. Now the issue right. comes in, for those of us who want to um, mod our game extensively, we may be running, you know, 100, 200 mods in some cases. And when that's happening, uh, you can imagine the the absolute um, mess that you could get if you weren't diligent about managing um, not only how, are, how these things are installed, but how they're uninstalled when you've decided not to use them anymore. Mm-hmm. And then what order they load in and how they maybe conflict or complement one another. So, (laughs) you know. Yeah, it's a lot to keep track of. It is a lot to keep track of. And that's why we use modding tools. Right. Right. (laughs) Yes. Modding tools. Modding Modding tools. tools. Yes. Because a spreadsheet just isn't going to do it. No. I was was thinking (laughs) like a hole saw. A hole saw? (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, I wish it were that easy. (laughs) But it's not. Um, So essentially what this does is is tools like Nexus Mod Manager, like Mod Organizer, and then plugins for these things like Loot. These basically help us keep track of our install and our uninstall of these. They help us keep track of different versions of these files because you yep. you can imagine, right? If you're installing and, and using something that is a large and significant mod, yep. For example, Frostfall, right? Frostfall is a very involved mod. It has lots of moving parts, and it's got an author who's very active, 
And so he's constantly improving it. He's constantly adding things to it. And so if you go to his website, you're going to, you know, you're going to see multiple versions of this thing available, old versions of it, um, new versions of it, each with a version number and all kinds of different features and potentially each one having its own set of requirements <laughs> and conflicts. Right. Right. So these tools kind of help us manage all of this stuff. Yep. Right. And they run as separate installs within your game just to have the manager running, correct? That is correct, Matt. Um, something like Mod, right. Mod Organizer, which is is what I use. Yep. That's, it, that's what you use, Joe, right? Correct. Ari? Yeah. Mod Organizer all the way? Yeah. yeah we, we got her set up. So. <laughs> nice. Well, I mean, that's, that's, you know, it's probably the best thing that you can do for your game. Um, Mod Organizer, it it will allow you to install these things and track them and change your load order and monitor your updates and things like that. So it just makes the whole process much easier and much cleaner. Well, and Nexus Mod Manager will do all of that as well. Um, But it just, it handles your mods just a little bit differently Mm-hmm. Uh, than organizer does and helps keep your 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 base game folders a little more clean. Right, um, right. If you're only doing a handful, if you're not doing a ton of modding, not as big a deal. If mm-hmm. you're modding extensively, then that becomes more important. Yep. I, I think, too, the, the place where traditionally mod organizer has really shined, although I don't think this is – I think uh, – Nexus Mod Manager probably does this now too, is the idea of profiles. Oh, for sure. You know, creating game profiles. So it makes it possible for you to have two different characters, completely different playthroughs that use different sets of mods. and Without having to pull them in and out. And exactly. So you can that. choose the profile that you want to play and just click start and run yep. the game. And well, it's and running those mods. Yeah, and this want. is something you touched on earlier when you're, you were explaining some of the five fables set up and yes. and that kind of thing is where, mm-hmm. you know, you're starting out with this base profile and you're able to copy that into a new character profile and then mm-hmm. build upon that without disturbing the original. So yep. um, for stuff like you're doing, uh, it's, it's almost essential. Yeah, I would um, say but so. But just for the, you know, uh, you know, the average player, it's just handy. For sure. <laughs> and Absolutely. Convenient. Again, especially if you're really modding a lot. So let's just dive in a little bit to this this idea of mod organizer and kind of sure. how it does what it does and why. All right. Um, again, uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, the step wiki is the way to go. <laughs> so what, what these people have done basically is try to create a wiki that documents in exhaustive detail – how to keep your game stable and they cover mod organizer extensively but they also have a complete list of step approved mods and then they have a procedure laid out for you that you can follow if you will if you like to the letter that will 
help you to ensure that your game will stay stable. So they cover some of these mods in detail and kind of go over, you know, here's here's one that we approve, but when you install it, we recommend that you choose these options. Oh, right. You know, those kinds yep. of things. Yep. So uh, the step wiki is going to be invaluable, um, not only for Skyrim in general, but specifically for Mod Organizer as well. And they kind of walk you through step by step all the things that you need to do. And you don't have to follow the step approved mods by the letter. And if you see something you like that's not in their list, you can still (laughs) don't feel like if you get it and download it and install it that your game's suddenly going to (laughs) explode. No, no, it won't. (laughs) Not necessarily. Those are, those are just mods that they've, they know. Yep. And, and, and approve. And, and maybe they're stuff. trying to make it easier for those of us who don't know what's going on to not well, completely pooch our machine the first time through, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> that could exactly. very well be. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, um, Ari, how many mods are you running currently, would you say? Um, like around 25, 30, I think. Okay. That's a pretty good list. And uh, of those mods, I mean, what are a couple of your favorite ones that you've been using for a long time? Um, I really like Frostfall. Mm-hmm. Sounds a good one. Um, I just got this one. It's like it's called a matter of time. Okay. It's that clock one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I kind of like that. That's okay. Neat. Yeah. And that's that is reporting in your UI what the game time is, right? Yeah. Is that yeah. true? The, so, the date and time. Date and time from from so the game. What era? Mm-hmm. And that's cool. In the day of the week. In the day of the week. That's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't tried that one yet. I, I've seen it and I'm like, hmm, should I try that? Should I not try that? But yeah, that's cool. So I think, um, I mean, obviously, when you started, did you start loading mods into Mod Organizer right away? Did did your dad help you get that set up, or how did you did were you loading mods before you had Mod Organizer? No, I started loading mods after I got Mod Organizer. So okay. yeah, you never put anything manually. No. Okay. Okay. And yeah, she, you never started with Nexus Mod Manager either. No. Okay. No. Yeah, that's... I didn't think so, but... Yeah. I went through the painful transition uh, from it, mod mod manager to mod organizer, and it was yeah, not and, easy. And that's really, I guess, why when, when she was talking about that, I, I helped recommend and steer towards mod organizer just because... Mm-hmm. Not that I dislike or it's not good because it's, it is, and it gets, you know, it's with every version, like everything is better. Mm-hmm. Um, but the transition between... Mod manager and mod organizer can be just excruciating. Yeah. I guess my question was going to be: so start with mod organizer, not with the Nexus mod manager for new folks to start with, perhaps as a way of bridging from nothing into yeah. the world of modding. I, I would say that that's our recommendation. That's our recommendation. I think primarily because that's what we're using and that's what we're going to talk about primarily. Right. And then also just because uh, Mod Organizer is is very widely accepted and very well documented. So you'll find a lot of resources not only on the wiki, but there are a lot of um, great tutorials out there by Gamer Poets and uh, Dirty Weasel and you know just all kinds of folks who have done really great right. mod organizer tutorials yep. that walk you through some of these things. I know Gopher great. has yeah. several that are, are good as well. Yep. Although yep. 
even though some of these might even be out of date a little bit, they're still pretty valuable because the basics are haven't yeah. really changed. Yep, they're they're pretty pretty relevant still. So essentially, mod organizer is like like we were saying, Matt. It's a separate application. It's available um, from the Nexus, so you can find it um, on Skyrim Nexus. And I, I believe it's also available through GitHub, but it doesn't matter where you download it from. You, you download it and you install the executable. And then once you have it installed, there are a number of basic kind of configuration steps that you'll go through. The nice thing about Mod Organizer is what it does is it links directly to Skyrim Nexus using your Skyrim Nexus user account. So once you have Mod Organizer installed and you run it for the first time, what it's going to do is ask you, what games do you want to manage? And you can tell it specifically, I want to manage Skyrim. Or you can let it search your system. And it's actually capable of managing a lot of different games. Right. Um, Skyrim is just one of those. So... You'll run it for the first time. You'll tell it, okay, you know, manage Skyrim for me. And then it's going to take you through this process where it's going to give you an opportunity to say where you want the assets for, I guess, the mods that you're going to be using installed. And when you're presented with that option, if you look at the step wiki, generally the recommendation is that you choose a folder of your own creation that is outside of your program files folder. Mm. That's generally the best practice. And the reason for that is because when you get into your program files folder, or your program files x86 folder, that that is um, kind of a folder structure that is subject, I think, to some, some uh, user security. Yeah, there's, I know it needs administrative rights. So, yeah. I mean, if you're running as an administrator on your machine, you're probably not going to encounter any issues. Or, But if you're not, it needs yeah. to be set up so that it has administrative rights. Yeah, it's it's referred to the, what is it, user account control folders. So, yes, you, where what you want to be able to do is, as Joe said, you want to have a folder with admin rights where you're not constantly fighting right. with at this a pop up or with the machine with your or yeah whatever. with your OS over what folders have admin rights on them so that'll make a huge difference i agree yeah it it does make a huge difference because it is possible and and there are many 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 people who have their mods um installed inside their program files folder it's really not a huge deal but it'll just relieve some headaches later, I think, if you can do that. I actually do. I, I just installed and followed the default path for pretty much everything. So uh-huh. all of my stuff actually is in the programs 86 file, but mm-hmm. or folder. Yep. But I am the administrator on my laptop too. So right. I don't ever have a problem with it. Yeah, exactly. But if I were to redo it, as I probably will mm-hmm. in the future, I, I'll definitely. Mm-hmm. Follow follow those some different steps. Yeah, and that that's kind of how I was set up initially too. And be, before I started the Five Fables story, I basically did a whole reinstall of everything. Right. And when I did that, I took the opportunity to put it in a separate folder. What I I, I think the thing that I would say about it is that um, <clears throat> what it does is 
it removes one more potential point of confusion. Because as you install mods and start using mods, there is going to come a moment for you when you go into game and something's not working right and you're going to wonder why. And you're going to have to go and figure out why. Um, if you can be If you can be certain that the problem you're experiencing has nothing to do with your security settings and your folder structure, that's one less thing that you have to try to figure out, right? right? You're, you're taking one, one variable right. off the table. Right? And that's a variable so. that can be a real bugger to try to troubleshoot too. Well, yeah, it can be. It can be. And I, you know, if you're not in there managing security on your own system on a regular basis, it's one of those things that you forget all the time and like, okay, yeah, I fixed this once. How do I fix it again now? I got to go back and look it up. And it's just way easier to do that. I think it's also worth mentioning that um, there are a couple, there there are two very simple prerequisites to installing Mod Organizer. It runs on the .NET framework. So you need to have uh, the .NET framework running on your system, and then you also need a Nexus user account. If you got a Nexus Doesn't user account and .NET, which version of the .NET framework? I think it's four. Okay. Uh, let's check. Let's be sure. Prerequisites, yeah. Uh, .NET framework four plus. So you know anything .NET framework four or over. Um, I, I believe anybody who's nothing crazy. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah, and it's, yeah. It, most people probably already have it running and they don't realize they have it running. So, so those are the prerequisites. So you install this and then, uh, once you've got it running, presumably, um, you know, in this, in a different folder structure of your own creation, I created on my system, a root level folder just called my games. And so Skyrim is installed inside there. So that file structure file hive we talked about earlier where it goes through you know outside common of, skyrim and i think data. a lot of people will yeah, also even put it on a whole different drive yep you can do that as well you can do that as well which is not uncommon mm-hmm. for uh, gamers right really in general yep so you've got mod organizer installed you're going through configuration and one of the things that you're going to do is there's if you follow the step wiki there's a there's a few simple things one thing you're going to do is tell mod organizer what your user account is on nexus and give it the credentials, which allow it to automatically log in for you. And what that means is when you go out in Nexus and you're searching for mods, you can find a mod you like and you see the handy-dandy download button. All you got to do is click that. It already knows who you are um, through Mod Organizer, and yep. it'll simply take that item and drop it into yep. your downloads list. And, yeah, it'll launch, it'll launch Mod Organizer if it's not up already, and mm-hmm. away you go. Away you go. So highly recommend Mod Organizer just for simplicity's sake. So it'll take care of that for you. And so essentially now you've got Mod Organizer installed. You're running um, vanilla Skyrim. You want to download your first mod. The way that this works is that um, as you peruse Skyrim Nexus, you click on a mod and download it, and it will appear in a list called Downloads. Once it's there... You can click to install it, and that'll basically uh, unpack the files required to run the mod into Mod Organizer. But the mod is still not active in your game. You'll see it appear on a list. So you may have 500 mods. You could have you could have a list of 500 mods. But then once you create your first character profile, you can go through that list and put a check mark next to the ones that you actually want to include in your game. 
Yep. So what what I like about this is this is where the profiles come in handy. So I could have 500 mods in my list, but for character A, I'm only running 100 of those 500 mods, right? Mm-hmm. Or something like that. Right. It, it's that kind of a thing. So in my case with Five Fables, I've got a number of different character profiles. Um, let's say, I, I mean, I've got probably eight to ten different character profiles. I've got the five main characters. I've got some sub-characters. I've got yep. some antagonists, right? And I've got a base number of mods that run in all of those, but then I have a few that are specialized for just particular characters. Right. And this allows you to do that. Well, and, and what's nice too is for your case here, well, anybody really, you can download a mod, check it off, decide you don't like it, pull it out, just uncheck it. Yep. Um, it's it's really about as easy as that. Right. There's some caveats to that, but uh, really for the discussion that we're doing here, it's really th- that easy. But um, so what I was getting at is for your Five Fables characters, um, it gives you the flexibility to allow or add mods from other characters as needed to progress the story, but maybe yep. aren't a part of that character's standard set. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And and that's really the, the power of, I think, um, mod organizer is that you can, you can decide what you want to run and you have, you have the ability if you want to, you know, to kind of, manage your saved games and stuff. I think I I I think one of the important things to mention is we should probably talk a little bit about the saved game. Okay. Right. Sure. So um if if I'm running Biff the Warrior and I go out and I look on Nexus Skyrim Nexus and I decide, oh, you know, here's a really great player home mod that I think would be perfect for Biff the Warrior. Mm-hmm. I download and install the player home mod and I launch my game, and I go to the location where this player home is. Now I can see it, right? Yep. I can go inside and check it out and all that kind of stuff, and I save my game. Now, that save includes data having For, to do... That mod. Yeah, having yep. to do with that player home. So that data from that mod is kind of permanently embedded in that particular save. Right. Right. So if so, I so real quick question, what happens yeah. if you lose a mod? Do you lose the ability to go back to any of that? Yeah, you do. Okay. Yep. That's important to note. Yeah, and this is this is a pretty important aspect to this whole thing, right? Is is the saved game. We we've talked a lot about how to install and, and manage all these different things, but I mean when you're actually playing the game, um all of the stuff that you're including is being added as some bit of data into your saved game. So if you decide that, you know, maybe this home isn't the right place for Biff the Warrior and this, I don't like it, I'm going to uninstall it. You can go ahead and uninstall that mod. That's not a problem. But if you use the saved game that, that you created when you were using that mod, then you're going to get some errors in Skyrim that can perpetuate themselves and actually become worse as you go further down the road. Right, right. Right. And that's kind of where Mm -hmm. I was vaguely alluding to Mm -hmm. um, earlier. Uh, It becomes really 
more detrimental when you get into scripted mods. Correct. I would just like to say that I think Errors in Skyrim sounds like an excellent band name. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, yeah. There you go. All right. The new minstrel band. (laughs) Errors in Skyrim. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, Maybe they'll play at the House of Troubles someday. Yeah, there we go. House of Troubles, uh, house band. House band. There we Errors go. Errors in Skyrim. Errors in Skyrim. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, version uh, whatever. Yeah, right, right. That that <laughs> won't be coming in the next version, that's for sure. Maybe the version after that. I don't know. Um, but you, you but, can kind of see how how this happens, right? The, the I'm nice just concerned about what happens if you upgrade to a new version of a mod. Does it reference, you know, like you've got new textures or things like that? Do you need to re Build from that previous save, or or depends on the mod and how extensive the changes are. Yeah, yep. Uh, Most mod authors will give you some advice on how to go about upgrading, and in in some cases, all you really need to do is install the new version, and you're good to go. You don't have to change anything, right? But there are some mods that are more sophisticated, perhaps where you might have to jump through some hoops. Right, and the, and they'll yeah the authors will, are always pretty good about listing out what it is you need to do, like you said. Yeah, cool. It, yep, and I think it it bears mentioning that there are a lot of mods out there that are you know very popular um, that see a lot of use that are very very well supported. There are also a lot of mods out there that aren't well supported that. You know, basically there's a one-line description of what the mod does, and that's it. And no new versions are ever released. No support information is out there. No change log information is out there. Um, those are the kind of mods that I, you know, would generally say use at your own risk, you know. So I, generally speaking, if you go to Skyrim Nexus and look at the files that are there, kind of sorted by the most popular mods, you're generally pretty safe because if if mods are seeing a lot of use, it either means that they're very well supported or they're so fundamental or so basic that they don't tend to cause a lot of problems or both. Sure. Right. You know, but every once in a while you'll find some kind of really obscure mod that has maybe 27 downloads or something like that, but looks really cool to you. And, um, I'm not saying don't use it because I have some like that, you know, right. in, in my load order. Oh, sure. Um, but just be aware that not all mods are equally supported. There are some mod authors who are extremely committed and are always doing updates, and there are other mod authors who aren't. And then there are other mod authors who've basically said, yeah, Skyrim was fun, but I've moved on. And sometimes they'll note their mod descriptions and say, hey, man, I'm not doing any more updates. Um, enjoy. Yeah. In so. those cases, I, I see kind of a 50-50 split where uh, a lot of them will say, go ahead and use the assets. I don't care. I'm not doing any more. And others will just say, I'm gone. I'm not doing any more. Yeah. So yep. Uh, in some cases, some rare cases, they may mm-hmm. even hand it off to another author that's, that's mm-hmm. said that they would continue the work. Yep. We see that happen a lot. So I think when we're talking about getting into modding requiring um, some level of commitment, it's because not only do you need to be able to um, manage your game using, uh, you know, an outside application like Mod Organizer, but 
you also have to, depending on how extensively you want to mod your game, be prepared to do a certain amount of your own sleuthing to troubleshoot problems. I mean, if you're not willing to get on Google and get into the forums and look for solutions to problems, then you may not want to stray from some of the more just well-accepted mods, you know. Um, And even those, you have to be willing to dig into the readme files and make sure you understand everything about how the the author is recommending you implement their mod. So, so take a cue from readme and do it, right? <laughs> yeah. The I name, mean, the name suggests it all. Yep. So I think um that that is where I I think a tool like um the step wiki really is helpful. I mean, super helpful. They generally address all the most popular mods for sure. Um and they talk specifically about how you should install those mods in relationship to other mods that are on their recommended list. So when they tell you, yes, install Frostfall, but use these settings, they're telling you that for a very specific reason. They're saying if you're following the step mod guidelines, we think that you should use these settings because we've determined that these are the safest safest settings based on the other mods that we've recommended on our approved list, right? right? So they've taken the pains to do the research to say, if you follow our procedure with regard to the mods on this list, you're generally going to be pretty darn safe. Right. So um, it takes, I think, some of the guesswork and maybe a little bit of the fear out of modding for those people who want to do more. Right. With regard to the saved games... um, my recommendation is if you're using Mod Organizer, just create a generic character. We've talked about him before, Chester Tester. I have a character named Chester Tester, and his whole purpose in life is to test mods. <laughs> so I can install a mod, and I can go into my Chester Tester profile, and I can run over there, check it out, see if I like it. If I do like it, then I can decide that it's going to go into Robard's profile. It gets or, the Chester stamp of yeah, approval. It gets the Chester stamp of approval. That is perfect, <laughs> right? And, and so I'm not I'm not risking the game that I'm really invested in. I'm I've got this test one that I can use, and even then, um, I may create a save just prior to installing, so I know that if I do get in there and it. it for some reason, conflicts with something else I'm using. Right. I can always pull it out and go back to the previous save and say, okay, right. I'm, I'm not any worse off than I was before I installed this. So. Yeah, and that's that's really where a lot of my past issues and probably not that far in the past mm-hmm. uh, before I really started to begin understanding mm-hmm. uh, mods and their relationship is, you know, just throw them in, pull them out just willy-nilly and, you know, pretty soon my 64th level orc is having all sorts of problems with Ariel's bow. Yeah. You know, it's, well, I was pulling in and out scripted mods and all sorts of things and uh, it has a tendency to wreak a little havoc on your saved game files. Mm -hmm. So, So, um, Ari, in your current playthrough, what level is your character at right now? Um, Oh boy, I don't remember. Like, I think thirteen. Okay. What what Joe described is kind of like the whole reason that we're having this conversation, right? Is because 
if you go into your gameplay understanding the relationship between the mods you're installing in your saved game, it conceptually, you can start to understand very early on how, you know, uninstalling a mod is going to impact your your game experience. It's kind of like a roach motel. <laughs> it's easy to get in, but hard to, to take them out. out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and like, you know, especially at early level, right? Uh, like you're, you're, if you've got a, what, level 13, you said roughly? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those early levels, I mean, you, you know, you're, you're gaining levels very quickly kind of moving forward. And if you're really invested in playing the game, um, it, it's really easy to charge forward and then discover that you've got some problem, trace it back to a mod and realize that mm-hmm. the last time you really did a real save was right. five levels ago, Right. And right. now what do I do? Do I go back and replay all of that? Do I start over? How big a problem is this? Can I right. live with it? And you end up in this situation where you're like, you know, what am I what am I going to do now? Right. So, I think the whole reason for this mod 101 conversation is to help people understand the relationships between their saved game, their mods and all these tools before they get in too far and yeah. realize that their right. their save is either hosed or they got to right. go back so far they're they're mm-hmm. dropping 10, yeah, 15 right. levels. Now, in your case, you're running about 30-some mods? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm guessing that are all of the mods that you have in Mod Organizer mods that you're using with this character, or are there some that you're not using? I think I'm using most of them. Some of mm-hmm. them I'm not. Okay. Have you had any problems at all with save game kind mm-hmm. of stuff yet? No. That's good, though. I mean... Running running thirty mods, you've got a lot of control. I imagine you know you can kind of tell if things are going to conflict and things aren't going to conflict. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What kind? What is? What are some other mods you're running right now besides Frostfall? I have the Matter of Time one. Mm-hmm. Um, alternate start. Ah, like that one. Oh, we should talk ask her about that one. <laughs> There's an oh, alternate no, start hard. story. There is. An I love it. Start story. So anyway, how about what other mods? What, what you else first? you got? Uh, guard dialogue overhaul. Oh, I like that one. Yep. Um, the auto kill cam screenshot. Yep. Okay. Um, inconsequential NPCs. Okay, that one adds more people, right? Yeah. Kind of doing different things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So kind of fills out the cities yeah. and towns a little yeah. bit. Right. Mm-hmm. Cool. Lore-based loading screens, morning fogs. What does that one do? It just adds, like, fogs over water oh, in the morning. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. I like that one. Yeah, I like I that I might too. have to get that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's a nice touch. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when you're going through Nexus, how do you decide? I mean, what are some of the things that you consider when you're determining whether or not a mod is something you might download or not. Basically, if it looks cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I think, how it should be. I, yeah. I, that's how I make my decisions. How's that going to make my game better? Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> basically. Mm-hmm. What was the last one that you t- you grabbed? Do you remember? Like the latest one or what do you mean? The, la- the, la- the last mod that you, you downloaded. What was the last one? I have no idea. Oh, okay. I was just curious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's the scoop, right? I mean, we look at stuff and does it look cool and right. it's kind of funny because I've noticed that now that I'm really kind of 
seriously invested in working on five fables. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for mods that uh, do different things right. for different reasons. Right. One was that, you know, I wanted to try to figure out how the heck can I eliminate the chatter. Oh, right. Right? Like, I need my NPCs to not chatter so much. And I think the reason for that was that, you know, when we think about the first episode of Five Fables with Spirius and Stax, we have custom voices for both of these characters. Right. And I need to not have Spirius spouting off in a vanilla voice because we're going to voice him on our own. He's right, got his right. own voice. Right. right. Yep. And so something like that, it was like the first thing I did is if I dig into Creation Kit, is there a way that I can go in and create my own mod that just makes him shut up completely? <laughs> right. Right. But that's kind of – I mean that's all embedded in kind of quest dialogue and all this stuff and it was right. a bit more than I wanted to tackle. So I found a mod that does that for me and it's got um, an MCM menu um, which allows me to throttle up and down yep. cool. the percentage um, that they'll use that chatter. Right. Now I can't, I can't throttle it all the way down to zero but I can drop it down to 10%, okay. which is great. So if, if I need to capture some footage and I need Spirius to not be spouting off or whatever, if, if he's the NPC character in, right. the, in the scene, right. then I can do that. And if I need him to chatter, I can throttle it back up. And there are some times when I do need him to talk. Right. You know, I need him to move his mouth. Um, and it is possible for me to go in and create my own dialogue and lip files through Creation Kit. But for the most part, I'm not creating dialogue, um, at least I haven't yet, that's so extensive that I need to do that. So if I just need him to move his lips, then I throttle it up to 100% and get him in a scene. And then when he starts jibber-jabbering, I'm capturing that footage, but I'm able to go back and replace it later. Right, drop the with, sound. With his real voice. Yeah, so, you know, stuff like that, I, I'm thinking differently now, right? Um but it kind of gives you an impression for just the depth and, and breadth of stuff. Right. What you can do. That's available oh, yeah. out there. It's really bananas. For sure. So, yeah. It is. Crazy, crazy. So, okay. I have a lot of stuff to do between now and the next podcast, that's for sure. Yeah, well, let's talk <laughs> about that a little bit, Matt. Let's talk about your mission for the next podcast, Okay. I think the thing to do here for you is, you know, you got to set up the framework that we can work inside of. So for you, it's going to be about getting mod organizer installed. And so the challenge for you for next episode, Matt, is going to be to go out to the step wiki and look at the install and configuration instructions for mod organizer and then go and grab mod organizer off of uh, the Nexus or GitHub and install it on your system. And then, um, I think that will set the stage for our next episode. And I think in our next episode, we're going to get a mod installed and we're going to try some stuff. So now to prep for that, uh-huh. should I just go find a couple of mods to try? Or are there a couple of things that you could suggest that I download that'll make a significant early improvement that I'll notice right away, right? That is there something that you would suggest one or two that I can download ahead of time uh, so that when we install them, that we're ready to go. Um, I think to start with, what we'll want to do is probably install some mods that are 
low impact. So we're not going to install any mods that require SKSE. Matt, are you running the DLC? Do you have any of the DLC installed? Any of the what? I think I have. I bought like the legendary. Yeah, and you have them all. Then everything got them all. Okay. Well, that that gives us some options, right? So I think what we'll do is come up with a list of recommendations for you. That, but we have to make sure that they don't require SKSE or any other kind of a weird outside framework like that, right? right. I would like to know whether or not uh, a couple of suggestions from you and Joe and Ari, of course, uh, a few early recommendations uh, for mods that make a difference that I'll notice right away. Uh, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I think we should do that. I think we should do that. Um, do that. Yeah, yeah I, we'll, we'll try to come up with a variety. We'll say like five or six different mods in several different categories. So some maybe that are about immersion and environment, maybe one or two that are about maybe one about maybe an armor mod and a sure. weapon mod, um, you know, cool. that kind of thing. Right. So. That sounds good. Yeah. And I think you've, you've, Definitely played well enough in the vanilla that you should be able to pick up differences on, yeah. You know, even just smaller things like a, maybe a weapon or something like that. Yep. So. Oh, yeah, I, and a few yeah. lighter weight ones. Again, I'm in the same boat as you. I have a, a reasonably good uh, machine, but it, it's it's not the gaming workhorse yeah, like yeah. Stu has. So. Yeah, we that we can definitely work with. Yep. A, you know, a moderate machine. Yep. So let's think about this. One environment mod we'll come up with. Okay. One armor mod. A weapon mod. How about an NPC? You want to have a follower? Yeah, let's like a follower mod or no? I'm think well, like a like an NPC follower. Yeah, like oh, a follower. Yeah, yeah, okay. not like a not like a follower framework, but a follower mod. Okay. Yep. A new character we'll add. What's something else we could we could add? How about a home? Oh, a player home. A yeah. player home. Let's do we'll a add player a player home. home. That'd be cool. Okay. So you don't have to try to save all your money to buy one in, in town. Yeah. That you're never going to be happy with. That's that's pretty cool. It also <laughs> means that I don't have to keep hiding stuff in, in barrels everywhere. <laughs> yeah. So, Matt, maybe um, just briefly, um, which character would you be playing? Einar Stigander, of course. Okay. Einar Stigander, right. the Nord. Okay, so I guess we don't need armor mods after all. <laughs> <laughs> that is because he is huge and he needs no armor. <laughs> he does not fit in the armor. <laughs> he, needs, he needs himself a studded loincloth. <laughs> okay. All right, studded loincloth mod coming your way. Um, okay, and then we're going to have you also, as a requirement, you're going to install the House of Troubles. Okay. Without question, I will be installing House of Troubles. All right. Excellent. <laughs> All right. So we'll come up with a list, and we'll, um, we'll post that in the show notes. I suppose it would be unreasonable to live in the House of Troubles as my player home. Well, it's not really equipped to be an official player home. However, the attic space could be made into a player space with something like Jackson's Positioner very easy. So we've we've got our mission laid out. Um, okay, so really, I think that wraps up this episode, folks. Um, we've tried to cover some of the basic concepts, some things that are helpful to understand. We've talked a little bit about some of the resources that might help. Again, uh, Skyrim Nexus for mods. 
step wiki for all kinds of really great um, step-by-step instructions on on how to do stuff. Um, tutorials, right? Tutorials, yeah. So we got tutorials on YouTube, which are uh, Gamer Poets, Dirty Weasel, Gopher. All of them have great tutorials that are very specific to Mod Organizer. So if you want to get good information on how to install and configure Mod Organizer but do it through a video, you can do that as well. I'm going to guess, and I don't know, I haven't looked at mm-hmm. the uh, the wiki uh, mm-hmm. for a while, but do they, do they, does he have links to some of these uh, video tutorials on the Step Wiki? Yes. Um, let's see. Step Wiki has been doing a lot of work with Gamer Poets. So oh, okay. Gamer Poets is kind of the official YouTube tutorial outlet for, for Step, Step Wiki. Wiki. Okay, cool. So a lot of his videos will be linked to directly from the Wiki, but you can also go to his site and he's got all of his tutorial videos kind of broken out into different um, playlists based on what they're focused on. Okay, sure. And and he does some really nice work around looking at specific mods that are fairly complicated and telling you how to install them in the mod organizer framework. Okay. Which is pretty helpful as well. Sure. So So, so point being there's there's a number mm-hmm. of ways to get yep. to these different tutorials. Yep. Yep. So check them out. Feel free to leave us any comments you would have on mods that you think uh, Matt should check out as as a noob and understanding as well that we're kind of focusing on non-SKSE mods at this point. And then you can look forward to an episode coming up, which will be part two of this, where we'll talk a bit more in depth about game setup, more sophisticated mods, how to manage your game. And we'll be bringing in uh, some guests to talk to us about uh, some more, some, some of the more uh, I think heavy mods that require things like patching and, and so forth like that. Right. Stuff that more and let's technically heavy. Yeah. Part two has no conversation topics about Matt, Matt having to rebuild his entire machine. <laughs> <laughs> no guarantees. <laughs> no guarantees. Depends on Start how simple, part one goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's about it. Anything else, guys? Uh, no. All no, right. I'm excited. So. You guys, you guys don't have to do anything. Now, what the heck? Yeah, we don't have to do anything. It's all on you. That's right. The way it should be. Challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. Very good. Although we never did hear Ari's. Uh, Alternate start story. Let's hear it. Alternate start no, story. No, we're going to hear it. Let's do it. Okay, so um, I started with the wrecked the wreck ship uh-huh. all the way in the north, and I had frost fall in April. Oh, it no. It was so hard getting <laughs> back to the shore. <laughs> so cold. It was oh. really cold. <laughs> I forgot about that one. I was actually thinking of your Raven Rock start. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what was that now? Okay, so it's like a different character, and... Um, this was I a Dunmer character? Yeah, okay. yeah. And I was... I started on Solstheim <laughs> as level one, and it was really... Oh, no. It, Solstheim's yeah. hard to start on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had a character that started there too. Do you remember which which uh, start that you chose? It was 
Mm. Like a refugee? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was okay. the refugee on Solstheim. Yeah. I think oh, that man. particular option, I believe, has two parts. You could either start on Raven Rock or in Windhelm. Yeah. Wow. And Solstheim is a tough one to start because that's a brutal land. It It is. It's, it is. <laughs> I, I'm yeah. sure it's leveled, but it's tough. Well, you know, I want to say, isn't there, isn't there, don't you have to be a certain level for that to even kick well, off or not? Uh, or not? I don't remember. You just, or is it that you just go and, you just go and visit the Greybeards at any level and then they. Well, I. I don't know. What I do know yeah. is that Solstheim was the kiss of death for for Sable, which was my first ever <laughs> Let's Play, because I took him there at level 10 or 15, and I was like, what in God's name am I even doing here? Because I was just getting yeah. spanked so oh, hard, yeah. and I was I just got frustrated. I mean, I think you could probably get there pretty early on, but man, um, because yeah. there's a series of events to get right. to High Hrothgar to kick it off, mm-hmm. that naturally you're going to be <laughs> a higher level. Most people yeah. will be. But if you start out there oh. from the get go, it's it's a okay. rough go. So what was worse, Blackreach or Solstheim? Because you started in both. I have started in both. <laughs> they both sound like nightmare scenarios oh. to me. I would say in the short term, Blackreach overall, Solstheim. Oh yeah. I think Solstheim was probably more difficult overall because it was more difficult to get off of it. Oh yeah. So, because it really, in a sense, when you start at Solstheim, you're breaking the quest a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that's that one. That particular starts gets a little goofy because it's harder to get back to. So can you just you can't buy your way off the island? I got back all right. Were you able to buy your mm-hmm. way back? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. For some reason I had a tough time getting my way back. Maybe she's just better Somebody at making gotta money. Somebody's got to learn something from the younger one. Well, yeah. Yeah, ain't that the truth? <laughs> well, Joe just jumped in the water and tried to swim it. <laughs> I can do it. <laughs> I can do it. I can do it. Dog paddle, dog paddle, dog paddle. It's so cold. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that sounds brutal. Oh, So what, did you immediately go back to Skyrim or did you try to do some things there um, or what? Well, I, I tried to stay there as long as I could. But I just couldn't really do a lot there because everything was so hard and uh-huh. meant for higher levels. Mm-hmm. So I just, I just gave up yeah. <laughs> and I returned to Skyrim. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. Don't if you me. can make it on Solstheim, Skyrim seems like a breeze. I know. I, I remember even playing the ash hoppers will kick your ass. I know. Ugh. Just a big cricket, and it's just yeah, <laughs> big nasty cricket. Yeah, I've kind of felt the same way. Like. I remember even a, even with a high level character, even taking um, fleet mm-hmm. through Solstheim, feeling like my God, I cannot wait to get back to Skyrim where things are sane. Like well, that's kind of how it felt. Yeah, that, me, well, like. I, I'm kind of in that boat right now with Inaroth. She's, <laughs> she's, she's on Solstheim right now. Oh man! And uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's 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 a trick. Every, everything is nuts there. I mean, the, well, especially the, the with, ash hoppers. Yeah, and the, and the ash spawn. And oh, then, my God. Yeah, and yeah. the lurkers. And the reavers. <laughs> Those bad boys are tough. <laughs> yeah. Man. Uh, yeah, they will totally take you down. Yeah. It, um, it's a fun experience, but you're right. I mean, I've, I found Solstheim to be really fun and really engaging with a high-level character. 
Um, as a low level character, I found it to be scary and frustrating. Yeah, you know, but I, I think it's good content for the oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. So, all, all right. right, awesome. <laughs> well, dear listener, uh, we've come to the end of another episode. We'd like to thank fans of the show for your faithful support and continued encouragement. Your enthusiasm is the lifeblood of this podcast, and whether your support comes through Patreon with dollars or through iTunes with reviews or even recommendations to friends and family, we appreciate it all. You can contact us through our website at charactercrusade.com. Until next time, remember, it is not about the objective, it's about the journey. So go forth and experience. Yeah, Matt brought it home. Right on. So at some point, are we going to introduce our special guest or what? Yeah, that's going to happen too. I, I'm just wondering. I know we're yeah. just going to ad lib it. And... No, we're we're going to introduce Ari formally once we get going. The problem is we can never get going. <laughs> so well, then let's get going, Stu. I'm I'm ready for episode 23. If you are, I'm ready too. Are we ready? Let's do it. I think we're ready. Okay. Are you recording? Yes. (laughs) I'm tired. Let's go home. Uh, Okay.